Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good morning, dear listeners. You're listening to Radio 3CR on 855am and Palestine Remembered with Yusuf Ahmed Rimawi and Robert Martin. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of Australia's only radio program that is totally dedicated to the Palestinian cause. In English language, I would like to welcome our listeners on the AM dial or those who will join us later on 3cr.org.au forward slash podcasts. In today's episode, we will be talking with a Palestinian who is very knowledgeable about the Palestinian cause, not only politically, but also a person who shares first-hand experience in both Palestine and statelessness. Mr. Jafar Ramini will be our guest this morning, a political writer and analyst. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. We are pleased to be joined by the telephone from Perth by Mr. Jafar Ramini, a political writer and analyst. Uh, Jafar, thanks for being with us on the show. Thank you for having me. Now, Jafar, this is very exciting for me. Look, I wanted to tell all the listeners that I've met you on Facebook, but also seen you on YouTube uh, and different news outlets because I... I think you've got a very, very great voice for the Palestinians and you're Palestinian. And so I'm honoured to have you on. So thank you very much for taking the time out. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for allowing a Palestinian voice to be heard in Australia. Now, uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've had reflections on how Yusuf became a refugee, also how my great friend Nasser, who Nasser Mashley, hi there, Nasser, he's not here today, became refugees. And I thought maybe you could give us a short reflection on your story and how you became a refugee, the age and sort of what it's done up until now. Uh, I was born in Palestine in 1943. And I remember vividly, I am from Jenin, which is in the north of Palestine. And I remember vividly uh, the the Israeli aeroplane flying over Jenin and dropping leaflets saying, leave or die. And I also remember my late brother Mustafa carrying me uh, on his back through the mountains to go and have refuge with some relatives and friends in a village about 10 kilometers north of Palestine called Arabi. Uh, And from from there the the tragedy continues. Uh, And uh, what I'd like the world to know is that we, the Palestinians, have never done the Jews any harm. At the contrary, we gave them sanctuary and we had 
business relations with them and we married them and they married our daughters until the Zionists uh, decided to invoke the Bible and say this land is ours because it was gifted to, uh, to us by God. And what I find ironic that most of these Zionists were actually atheists. And still are. So, so they are cynically invoking the Bible to steal our land. How, how old were you when you were forced to leave? You remember visiting? I was born in 1904, exactly five years old, because my birthday is, is, is next Sunday, the 21st of May. Hmm. And it happened on the 16th and the 15th of May, 1948. That, that's just horrible, because as, I mean, as you know, I've got three daughters. I've got one that's four and I've got one that's seven. And to, to picture children of any race, religion or anything to have to go through this is horrific. And I also, I, I get that, uh, you know, the Palestinians have done nothing to the Jews. Um, Jafar, I want to ask you about uh, what happened after 48. Uh, where did your family go? You said that you fled to Arabe. Is this where you settled from uh, 48 on? No, Jenin, fortunately, was the, the one and only city in, in Palestine that was liberated by the Iraqi forces then under the command of uh, um, uh, Ali and, and Saleh Zaki. Yes, and there is still in Jenin uh, uh, a cemetery for the Iraqi the fallen soldiers. There, there is a cemetery, and I remember when I was a young man, and as I'm sure you know, uh, as a Palestinian, our weddings are open to all, and I remember when the women used to sing for Saleh Zaki and Muhammad Ali, mm. and would have done the, the entire job had the Arabs not betrayed us. And, and I, I, I went back to Jenin and I studied at the Jenin Secondary School. And in 1962, I, I left and I went to England for, to complete my studies. And then I did the normal diaspora or what I call the lost journey of Palestinians going to build the Gulf and Saudi Arabia, hmm. which no thanks at all. That's like like my father in the 60s. He also, in 64, went to Saudi Arabia and became a teacher. Yes. I, I, I was in Saudi Arabia in 64. I was in Kuwait in 1962. And then after the 67th war, when I saw the utter shameless defeat of all the Arabs, I decided enough is enough. I cannot do anything here because you wouldn't be able to, to raise your voice. Yes. They, they are the, the front-line enemy, I'm afraid the Arab leaders who, who claim to be fighting for us and uh, behind the closed doors they plot against us. And this is the big damage we have always sustained the Palestinians, that the Jews will go around and say, oh, look at us, we are a small country, they want to throw us in the sea, or oh, we are surrounded by all Arab enemies, which is the contrary is true. They are all all, all partners in the crime. Jafar, I want to ask you about your uh, earliest journey in uh, Britain because, um, of, of course, we know the legacy of Britain uh, to the Palestinian conflict from Balfour Declaration and then uh, the British Mandate and then what after uh, what, what, what followed uh, after that. So how did you how do you deal personally with this kind of conflicting uh, uh, m messages, you know, living in a country that was the reason uh, behind the suffering of your homeland? This is part of the learning curve in my life. I, I wanted to see 
why these people are so against us and why have you been betrayed by Britain at, at the beginning. And, and the reasons are, are, are obvious. But in those days, in the 60s, nobody would dare to speak a word against Israel. Israel was triumphant in the 1967 war, there is no doubt. And Israel was the golden baby. Uh, and uh, I was lucky enough to be moving in certain circles uh, in, in London. Uh, and uh, I met very m many English people who were uh, ashamed of what uh, their country did and were uh, powerless to do anything about it because the, the Zionist lobby in, in, in London is, is very strong. And one understands that uh, people have families, they have children, they have jobs to look after, and they have uh, mortgages to pay, so they keep their head down because the, 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 the Jewish lobby and Jewish money in the West is ruthless. They, if, if anybody raises their head, they're called anti-Semitic. If a Jew, and there are many of them, Jewish people who are pro-Palestinians and think that this is unbelievably unjust, they're called self-hating Jews. And if, if, if anybody else opens their mouth, they lose. Uh, let me give you some examples. I, I, I was in America in 1983 uh, uh, when a book uh, came out called The King's Council by Jack O'Connell. And Mr. O'Connell was the head of the CIA office in Cairo who was then charged to look after King Hussein. Mm. And he went to Jordan and he was there until he retired. And then King Hussein appointed him as his own lawyer and uh, advisor in Washington. In this book called King's Council, Mr. O'Connell says emphatically that if, that if there is any appointment in the State Department in America, the list of names has to be passed on to the Israeli embassy in Washington for approval. That's coming out from a major uh, CIA uh, staff. Exactly. And the book is called King's Council. It's there for everybody to buy or read. I'll have to, I'll, I'll have to put on that on my list. Hey, I was going to ask you that there was... I went to the anti-APAC uh, at the press, uh, the press club in Washington, and they were talking about the four-part series on the American lobby infiltrating the UK government. Yeah, the, the, you mean the Israeli lobby? The Israeli lobby. The Israeli lobby. Well, what's yeah. the? Yeah. Did you um? Did that hit the news as much? Oh yes, it, it, we've seen it in, in England. It, 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 it's been published, and and Al Jazeera did a very good job by by finding this this uh, undercover reporter yeah. who, who went to the to the very top. Let me just tell you about another book which was written by by a member of Congress, uh, and the book. Uh, I've read the Arabic translation of it. Yes, and, and, and I met the gentleman, he's now in his late 90s, and I think he might have died recently. And in it, he says uh, that, uh, his, his name is Paul Findlay, by the way, and the book called They Dare to Speak Out. And in it, he says emphatically that if there is any discussion in Congress pertaining to Israel's interests, and any of us, the members, did not approve, even if they abstain, they're considered against, and that's the end of their political life. Yeah. And that is Jewish 
power and Jewish money that dominates America. And America, unfortunately, is the one and only undisputed leader of the world, and they are controlled by Zionist power and Zionist money. And, and do you think that here in Australia things are much different or uh, could be um, another example of the Zionist lobby controlling uh, policy and media? It, 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 it's a photocopy of what's happening in America. It's happening here and in Canada. Uh, I, I was actually astounded when I first arrived here five months ago. And there was, uh, I can't remember his name, a mayor in Sydney somewhere who refused an invitation to go to dinner at the uh, synagogue because his diary was full. And he was accused of being anti-Semitic. Mm. And the, the guy who did it, I think he's called Vic something. He is the head of the Zionist Federation of Australia. Uh, uh, and when I see Mrs. Bishop, the foreign minister, bowing and scraping to Netanyahu and Mr. Turnbull, it's horrible. It's horrible. It, it, it is sickening. Yeah. I mean, what, what, why? You are an independent country. Why do yeah. you have to copy America and, and be in the, in, the, in the tail end of American policy? I, th I thought it was very, very sad that, uh, you know, they let Benjamin Netanyahu in, but Bassam Tamimi they uh, wouldn't allow in, and he's an advocate for, you know, non-violence. He's a Palestinian just wanting to get his voice out, but he was shut down, you know, very, very quickly. It, it's a sad double standard. Yes, this is part of their power and this is part of their agenda. Yeah. They, they, uh, let me say it out loud so nobody will be in any doubt where I stand. Oh, I don't think we're in any doubt here. <laughs> <laughs> the Zionist lobby, the Zionist movement, from the inception, they wanted all of Palestine with no Palestinians in it. Well, that's been admitted very early on. You know, and, those educated know about that. Say, Robert, that so far... They haven't won. We're still there, we're still standing, and we are still, despite all the losses and the pain, resisting. They haven't won. They will never win. They have miscalculated and or misanalyzed our psyche. We Palestinians, very hospitable, very mild-mannered, but we do not do defeat. Yeah, fantastic. This, this might be a good um, time to... Just just talking about the, uh, the the Palestinians, the the strike. But can I can I ask you, Jafar, uh, to ask you about the Palestinian hunger strikers? But after the break, we're going to take a break, uh, and un and when we return, we will continue the discussion uh, with Mr. Jafar Ramini, a Palestinian uh, political writer and analyst. Uh, please stay with us. It is the mission of each true knight, his duty. Nay, his privilege to dream the impossible dream, to fight the unbeatable foe. You're listening to Palestine, remembered on 855 AM, and our guest uh, this morning is Mr. Jafar Ramini, a political writer and analyst. Mr. Jafar, thanks for being with us again. Thanks for having me. Um, 
I wanted to ask you about, uh, before we leave the topic of the lobby and go to the prisoners, I want to ask you to briefly comment on the Canadian uh, po- policy towards Israel, especially that the Arab world is uh, celebrating the enlightened uh, Prime Minister of Canada and how he is... Uh, pro-immigration and how he is very liberal. However, his pro-Israel policies seem to go unnoticed. Well, this is is the sad thing about the Arab world at the moment. All the Arab countries that are meaningful, i.e. Iraq, Syria, uh, and, and Egypt, are in turmoil. So there is no opposition to anybody. And so when they have even the, the faintest uh, bit of hope that somebody is going to say something nice about us, they celebrate. No, Mr. Trudeau is as Zionist as they all they all are, because they cannot survive in office if they criticize Israel. Uh, uh, if I may remind your, your uh, listeners of a Voltaire quote when he says, if you want to know who rules over you, look around and see whom you are not allowed to criticize. And Mm. I think that's it all. Indeed, indeed. Now, uh, Jafar, um, today marks the 31st day of the mass hunger strike of the Palestinian uh, prisoners. And uh, I want to hear your reflections on uh, their demands and what we can do as pro-Palestine solidarity movement and all Palestinian in diaspora for them. Well, um, my, my personal thing is total outrage. I'm incandescent with rage at what Israel is doing and the silence and of the world, which for me is complicit. They, the, the, the Palestinian prisoners are protected under international law, Let, yet they are not afforded any of the protection that uh, the international law compels the occupying power to, 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 offer, to offer them. They, 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 not, they do not have uh, family visits. They do not have lawyers. They are uh, put in prison without charges for months on end and they are treated like slaves. I could not believe my eyes a couple of weeks ago when I saw Israeli soldiers barbecuing within smelling distance of the prison to to, to taunt the Palestinian prisoners, let alone listen to to their grievances. And their grievances are very legitimate, it's all documented in the international law, in the UN Charter, Charter, sorry, and in the Geneva Convention. Israel is a war criminal. Israel should be standing in front of the ICC now, yesterday before now. They have committed so many crimes. There are so many a plethora of, of UN resolutions condemning Israel, condemning the occupation, condemning the stealing of land and, and the expansion of settlement, and Israel doesn't care. Why? Because Israel knows very well that America is on their side, come what may. Jafar, um, when you when you are speaking about uh, the Nakba and expulsion, I wanted to share something that happened last Thursday with uh, with myself. I was a participant in a forum, 
and uh, the forum was about social justice in Palestine and Israel. However, um, the, the the topic and the participants took the discussion towards the religious part of the story, where I was introduced as a Muslim, and the pro-Israeli was introduced as a Jew, and there were there was uh, another uh, member of the Christian community of Egypt uh, unexpectedly defending uh, Israel. So I, I guess I have two questions. The first one is where do you see uh, the Israeli endeavors to use the, to play the cards of minority and to form what they call the minorities of Middle East, where the Jews, uh, that would be Israelis, and the Kurds, the Assyrians, the Copts, form an alliance with militant Islam. And the second question, and I'll let you elaborate on these two questions with your time, is... Um, um, the, the fact that there were 800,000 uh, Jews from Arab world who became refugees in 48 and uh, their, um, their uh, pretext was this for that uh, and therefore we cannot talk about the Palestinian right of return. So how would you comment to these two points? Uh, let, let me first of all take the religious uh, uh, Yes, point. please. Uh, for, for your listeners, I'm agnostic. I, I do not believe in any religion. Me my too. religion is my human uh, self mm. and my fellow human. They, these are my, this is my religion. They brought, as I said before, they brought religion into the equation, though they were atheists. So the Bible says, we promise you Palestine. This is all nonsense. There is a huge wave in the West of Islamophobia. And the Israelis are very adept at playing the media because they control it, very adept at, at uh, diverting the, 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 the discourse because they control it. And now when you say to somebody, it is a Muslim, there is a reaction of fear and resentment. That's why they are expanding. It's not a religious war. The war between the Palestinians and the Israelis is about land, it's about, it's about rights, it's about you do not belong to this part of the world, yet by hook and crook you convince the entire Western world and the media and government that you are on the right and they're backing you against the rightful owners of this land, like myself. Yeah. Yeah. Here, here. The, um, other, the other point, so we, we dismiss religion. Religion is not, is not a religious war, they, though they want it to be a religious war, it is not. They are using religion as a cover for land theft and ethnic cleansing. I think, I think they also they, they want people to to associate it with you know Islam and Islamophobia. I mean, that's what they draw to it. I agree, it has nothing to do with religion. It yeah, is about theft and, and racism. Exactly so. That's what I said. Yeah. I'm yeah. not religious at all. I, I have many Jewish friends as, as Christian friends and... Uh, uh, I have a finger in every uh, religion, and I know what they're all about. And I was discussing religion this afternoon with my barber, who happens to be uh, a, a, a Irish Catholic, and, and uh, we dismissed it as, come on, I said, look at me. I'm a Muslim, I'm an Arab, and you're Irish and Catholic and so on. And there we are, we're friends, and we're talking, and you've been cutting my hair for this. So we should, we should say Naiman. <laughs> so the, the, the other point of the expulsion of the Jews from Islamic countries or Arab countries? No, nobody expelled the Jews. 
Yeah. It, it is very well documented. There are so many books written by Jews, especially the Iraqi Jews. And I met hundreds of them. I know them personally in London. I've been to their homes. I've been to their weddings. I've been to, to, to their wakes. They, they, they behave as if they left Baghdad or Mosul yesterday. Their, their food is Arabic. Their music is Arabic. Their weddings are Arabic. And they all say they wore the day that Israel was created and they were pushed by Mossad, not the Arabs. Most of them, Mossad was sending agents to, to, to bomb the Jews in Iraq, especially Iraq, because they are the original Jews and most of them are rich. They wanted them in Iraq and in Israel. Yet, when they arrived into Israel, they were treated like slaves. They were treated like third-class citizens and never given the time of day. They wanted them to leave because they wanted to swell the numbers in Israel, and they wanted fifth column, i.e. Arabic-speaking people, to spy on us. That's why the people who came from the Arabic countries, they were used as fodder by the Israeli army in the front line because they speak the language. They were not forced out. And at the end of the day, if you think that you were kicked out of Iraq, kicked out of... of, of, of Morocco uh, or Yemen or Egypt? Whatever. Go to these countries and ask for compensation. I have no problem with that. Why are you asking me, the Palestinian, to foot the bill for somebody else's deed? Jafar, Jafar, that, that's... Uh well, I'm going to have you on again because you're, you, you, know, you have a lot of knowledge being Palestinian and I love the fact that you're very... Uh, we know where you stand. We're coming to the end of the show and I was hoping that you might have a few words to say to the Palestinians at home. What would a message be to them from you? And can, can, we, can we make that in maybe a minute? Yes. My compatriots, please don't give us hope. We are here. We will be here until, until the land is liberated. All what I want from the, Arab, the Palestinian leaders, both in Gaza, the West Bank, and 1948, please ask the Palestinian people what they want. Nobody has ever asked us a question. We've been ignored and marginalized. It's about time there is a, a referendum amongst all Palestinians everywhere in the world to ask them one question, what is it you want? What is your aim? And then from there, take it to the Israelis. We know we cannot defeat them in war. We can defeat them by law because the law is on our side. And humanity is waking up and they are on our side. I don't think there is any better way of closing the interview. Thank you very much, Mr. Jafar Ramini, a Palestinian uh, political writer and analyst, for being on the show this morning. It's been an honor. With this, we've come to the end of this week's episode of Palestine. Remember, you've been listening to our guest, Mr. Jafar Ramini, a Palestinian writer and analyst. That was a good show, Robert. I enjoyed that a lot. And again, I've learned a lot. So, thank you. So, for more of these interviews, please remember to tune in same time, 9.30, every Saturday, for news, views and reflections 
from Palestine and on the Palestinian issue. Until then, this is Robert Martin and Yusuf Rimawi wishing you all the best of time and salam. I'll see you next week, Yusuf. <laughs>